Welcome to the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Chidi Ukpala, founder and CEO of Asante. Asante is a high-impact digital financial services firm focused on advancing financial independence and improving the well-being of underserved small businesses and individuals in Africa. Chidi, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. This has been a long time coming. We've been trying to organize this, I think, for close to two years. Yeah, I know. Um, There's there's a lot to blame, starting with the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we're finally doing that. There's so much more, I think, to cover now more than ever. We've been working together for a couple of years. We've seen how much Asante has grown and it's been so amazing walking alongside you guys. Before we dive any deeper, can you give the audience some background on yourself and essentially what led you to build Asante? Yeah, thanks. So, um, I mean, I always start with my nationality. I'm Nigerian. Um, we're, we're known for uh, being being aggressive, being highly knowledgeable, and you know, wanting to to do what should be done in three weeks' time. Uh, mm-hmm. last, last week, uh, <laughs> yeah. But essentially, look, I, I I grew up in Nigeria. I schooled there. Uh, my first and second degree. Then I later went to London Business School for my for another second uh, master degree program. In terms of my professional life, it's been largely financial services, spent about 15 years in a commercial bank, UBA, United Bank for Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, in between my stay in UBA, I, I went into consulting uh, with Accenture and I worked both in Lagos and Johannesburg offices. And that was actually where I cut my teeth in, uh, in payments uh, and everything okay. digital. Because I was sort of privileged to be part of the core team that did a lot of the foundational work that has resulted in today's fintech industry, not only in Nigeria, but in West Africa. So firms like InterSwitch, uh, Unified Payments, E-Transact, I was part of the team that actually, you know, built those businesses from scratch. Um, but eventually I left UBA uh, in 2012 as I was overseeing their personal and business banking across 19 countries. And I joined Bati Airtel, uh, where I became the founder CEO of Airtel Money. Um, and, and I literally, you know, built that business from, from ground zero. Okay. Yeah. Got, got all the licenses, hired all the people, put the systems in place. And, and we did a whole lot of heavy lifting and then built other business across 17 markets. Uh, I'm so proud to say that today is one of the, one of probably five or six uh, fintechs uh, that, yeah, are, that, are, that are unicorns uh, in, in, in the continent. And then I eventually went to Atlas Mara um, as the, the group, group MD for digital and fintech, spent about three years there. And that was actually where I founded uh, Asante uh, as a corporate venture, uh, obviously. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was called Atlas Mara Digital. But then when Atlas Mara was acquired by a Canadian private equity firm, uh, it didn't really sit well uh, within the broader strategy of, of the PE firm. And then being the founder, being my baby, I made an offer to the board. And eventually I acquired the business by way of a management buyout. And today you have Asante, um, which I'm now running, uh, based in Nairobi. Oh, yeah. What a lovely story. So you came from a corporation where you were building 
a business, but with somebody else's resources. Now you've started your own company where you need to be more risk adverse, but at the same time, ballsy and try new things. How did you find the balance? Well, at first it was a big shock uh, because they are two different worlds. I'll be honest with you. The, the corporate world is completely different. I mean, there's a, I, I did quite a, a number of venturing in my corporate life, uh, both within UBA, of course, in Accenture and, and Atlas Mara and, of course, Airtel. But, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a different ballgame because, number one, you have the organizational resources behind you, okay? Exactly. Uh, which is tested, which is proven. And whatever the venture is, is a side gig for the large corporates, okay? It's not, it's not the main business. And so, you know, the business could have, I mean, failure was, um, was actually an option and the business would still move on. And you probably get another role within the large organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you're using someone else's resources um, and, you know, leveraging all the assets and capabilities of the big organization. Um, running Asante is a completely different playground. Uh, you know, it's my reputation is at risk. My personal resources is at risk. The, the, the resources of, you know, uh, friends, family, um, VCs, and diverse kinds of investors are brought on board, and even lenders um, are also at stake. So, so there's just so much uh, that is at stake. And, and, you know, for me, failure is not an option. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and in this case, you know, being the founder, you know, all the decisions uh, essentially roll up to me uh, because I'm, I'm principally accountable um, in terms of, you know, building the teams, choosing the systems, um, you know, the finance options and so on and so forth. Yes, of course, I have to hire people to help me do that. But ultimately, I'm, I'm principally accountable if the business fails. Um, I'll be I'll be the one that will be held accountable, uh, and the losses, you know, uh, um, uh, will be will be will be incredible because it's not just yeah. financial, but of course you have reputational and professional. So so it's a completely different game. Um, but the the I, I would say the corporate world prepared me better. Um, uh, would he have been better if I left much earlier? I don't know. I mean, the jury is out, but I think I'm, a, I'm, I'm better prepared. I've come into uh, the startup world a lot more mature. Um, I know what the drivers of businesses are. From day one, I focus on unit economics. So for me, it's not a valuation play. It's about building a business that is sustainable, that is profitable, that is driving real value to the communities uh, that we serve. Um, I'm also... You know, you know, being trained, I have more than 20 years, you know, uh, um, uh, professional experience. So I understand risk, okay? So I know the minds that are out there. I know how to navigate them properly. So at times it may seem as if I'm moving slower, uh, but I'm always conscious of the fact that, look, this is not a 100-meter dash. This is a marathon. Um, yeah. Can you yeah. can you give an example where you probably would have taken the risk with your previous business, but with Asante, you chose not to? Can you think of any moment? Well, I mean, look, it, it, it appears every, I mean, it happens everywhere. Okay. Because, you know, let, let's even start with people. Um, mm-hmm. So typically within a large organization, um, when you are setting up a corporate venture, the, the, the resourcing will be a hybrid of people that are transferred from other divisions within the business 
and people that you hire into the business. And so you, you can afford to take a risk on the people that have been transferred from the other divisions because, look, if they underperform, it's, mm. so, easy, it's so easy for you to reassign them, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, in, in, in Asante, there's nowhere to reassign anybody. If you're underperforming, you're out, okay? The door is open and, and, and you're let, let, let go. And so, and, and it's heartbreaking, okay? Not just for the people that I'm letting go, but of course for myself, because, you know, a lot of these people have families and so on and so forth. And so there's a lot more scrutiny and rigor, yeah. you know, when it comes to bringing people on board and across all levels, not just at the people, you know, the members of my executive team, but even, you know, down to the analysts that work with us. Yeah. Um, we, we have, you know, very robust frameworks in place. Uh, we have a, you know, well tied up uh, uh, recruitment process that we make sure we follow. And the whole idea is just to make sure that, look, at every level, for every function, we top grade and we make sure we bring the right people not just in terms of competence and capability, but the right level of passion and commitment and that they believe in our story. And we think that's actually important. Um, I, I, you know, one of my teachable schools of thought is the fact that passion is more important than competence. And the reason is because, yeah. you know, whoever is competent, but is not passionate will not last because it's there for something else. But whoever is passionate, and not that competent will certainly learn. Uh, and I, you know, over the last 20, 25 years, I've, I've, I've found that out. And so, and so making sure that there's a right connection in terms of uh, bringing on board people that believe in our story, believe in where we're going to, and are passionate about joining our movement uh, is so critical, uh, if, if not more important than competence and capability. Yeah, I love that advice. We've noticed as Helen McLeod, because we've worked together on some really vital roles for Asante, we noticed straight off the bat what a great reputation you have in the industry. As soon as we mentioned, first of all, your name, um, we have candidates that before would have never decided to interview, be like, listen, Pachiti, we're so open for it. Let's go. What do you think you've done to attract the right talent? Well, I mean, look, it's it's a combination of so many things. I think first is uh, my personal track record, okay? Because it's, I mean, it's easy to to look it up on LinkedIn, to you know, call a few people. Oh, look, you know, there's this gentleman called Chidi. What do you think about him? Um, you know, I've 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 built and worked in teams across 24, 25 countries in Africa. So it's not difficult, especially if you're yeah. African. And even if you're not African, it's still, you know, fairly easy to run a check on me. Okay. So I think that's Also, important. fintech in Africa, everyone knows everyone. Exactly. It's, a, it's, a small, it's big, but it's just tiny. Very small. It's a, it's a tiny world, yeah. Very so, tiny, yeah. So, so it's super easy. But but I think the second one is the, the Asante story. You know, you know we, we have a compelling... Mm. We have a compelling story in Asante. We are, we are, so it, it's not a case of, um, you know, the hidden effect, okay? Just because, you know, people are doing fanciful things, maybe, you know, crypto mm-hmm. is in vogue, we're getting into crypto, online payment acceptance is, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. We are, this is a movement, uh, what we're trying to do in Asante. We want to drive, uh, inclusion in, in Africa, but at the same time, uh, empowering and improving the well-being of Africans. 
And, mm-hmm. and if you look at the way we design the business, we are building a digital bank for small businesses. You know, what you call the micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises. Uh, these guys, there are probably about 145 million of them in Sub-Saharan Africa, according to the World Bank. They are the drivers of the economies in Africa. They are the largest employers of labor in excess of 60% in any market, whether it's South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, Congo, DRC, Gabon, wherever you go to, that's where the people are employed. And so, and, and sadly, they are considered as untouchables when it comes to financial services. Yeah. Banks, banks don't touch them. You know, all the banks do is just to you know, take their deposits and at best offer them payments, but they never lend to them because they don't trust them. They don't believe in them, whatever they do. The MFIs, they were actually set up to service them, uh, don't have capacity. There's no technology leverage. They, they don't have scale. They don't have distribution. And so they've not made, uh, they've not made any impact. Okay. Um, and so these MSMEs need a different kind of financial services provider. And that is what Asante, yeah. Asante is. And so we, we've started off with credit. We are credit led. And we devised a, 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 a unique model to be able to extend credit to them in a responsible and sustainable manner. And then on the back of that, we're now beginning to expand the range of propositions that we're offering them. And, and that explains why we are pretty successful. Uh, so far, I mean, obviously, we're just starting, but there's just so much we can do. But, but we've been able to build a solid business measured not just on the financial metrics, but if you look at the caliber of partners that we have as a business, it says, yeah. it says a lot about, you know, what we're doing, where we're going, and how we're doing what we're doing. Uh, and I think that's important. It sounds like the success has been pretty organic and the reason that you've been attracting this talent. Do you have any advice for maybe businesses that have been around for like one, two years, very early stage, that would like to build a reputation like this? Is there any like tactile advice that you could give? Yeah, look, I think... I think um, First, it starts with the fundamentals. You know, don't build a business for valuation. Uh, build a business, okay, that is solving a real problem, that is meeting the needs of the defined market segment, but at the same time, um, um, execute for the long term. Um, I, I, you know, again, another teachable school of thought for me is think big, have a big vision, massive, audacious, but start small. And scale fast. Um, so, so you know, don't you know? I always tell people, stay on your lane, okay? You know, you, you, <laughs> yeah, stay on your lane. It, it's it's good to know what competition is doing, and and it's important mm. because you need to know. And 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 where you have to copy, copy shamelessly, but mm. don't measure yourself against competition. Measure yourself against your past. Mm, I Make, love that. Yeah, put yourself on a path on of sustainable and consistent improvements on your past, and 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 and, and just watch yourself where you're going to be in the next three, four, five years. Uh, because what typically happens is, you know, you know, I'm sitting and I'm, I'm a payment processor, and I hear that look, a particular firm they raised you know two hundred million dollars at this valuation, and then you you want to do the same, but but mm-hmm. you, you, first you don't even understand. 
their business, you know, you don't even know, probably they've been lucky, maybe timing, because there are so many ingredients to the results of each business. And so you, oh, 100%. You, yeah, so you need to just stay on your lane and figure out your own growth path and drive it consistently. Okay. Keeping on the topic of staying in your lane and not comparing yourself to your competitors, talent has been an issue, right? And we so often look to the big guys or our competitors with the type of talent they have, but maybe it's not affordable for the stage of business you're in right now. How do you as Asante hire top talent that can grow in your business when you don't necessarily have the funds to compete with the big guys? That's a huge challenge. <laughs> yeah, massive. Yeah, I, I would say that um, my number one challenge as CEO of Asante is being able to build the right team, the right bench, okay? And keeping them productive, keeping them engaged, and, you know, remunerating them well, compensating them very well. It's a real challenge, especially in certain areas like in data science, where we have a, you know, a large team of people and, of course, engineering, but across board yeah. generally. Um, so so it, it, it's a challenge. A lot of times, you know, you may find, especially at the executive level, uh, because I do a lot of benchmarking. I look at my, some of my peers. For example, I want to hire, for example, say a CFO. I look at the CFO of a firm that I would like, I aspire to be like. And it doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. firm. It could be a firm in the US, it could be a firm in UK. And I look at the profile of the CFO of that firm. Okay, I can take a company like Square, for example. Look at the CFO, look at the profile on LinkedIn. Mm. And I said, look, I'm, I'm looking for a CFO that has this kind of spec, but obviously with some customizations. Now, the challenge yeah. is, um, because, you know, I, I don't hire for today. You know, I hire for tomorrow. Okay, um, I want people that will walk this journey with me over the next five, ten years, and so most times I'm I'm unable to afford them, uh, and, and that's a reality. Okay, because when you find them, most of them are in, in, in corporates, or even mm-hmm. when even when they're in startups, you know they've been locked down with you know stock options and so on and so forth, and so the the challenge is you know how to come 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 up with the the combination of a story and a set of incentives to be able to attract them and to be able to keep them. It's extremely difficult. I, I'm not saying it's something I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at, at okay. uh, every day. We're, we're not there yet. Uh, but, but I think one of the things I'm pretty proud of is with each new hire, I'm seeing improvements in quality, which is, which is a good sign. So we're on track. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. What have you done? You said that there are certain things you've started doing, um, incentives. What are those incentives? Well, I mean... 
the broadly speaking, um, the first is to create um, what we call the best place to work environment. So we we set up a program um, sometime last year, um, you know, run by our chief people officer on a set of initiatives that will help us to create that best place, uh, best place to work envir- um, uh, 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 environment. Uh, for the firm, and it has several uh, um, several initiatives uh, within that, and so we've started implementing them. You know, for example, we had to move to a new office, great location, fitted it out really nice, and set it up properly. So that you know, people spend eight to ten hours in the mm-hmm. office, the daily basis. You know, how many how many hours are we awake in a day? <laughs> okay, yeah. And so and so you need to have the right kind of environment to get them engaged minimize the stress level as much as possible and 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 maintain an atmosphere of excitement uh, while they're there. That's important. So we've done that really well. Uh, and I think that the second one is around uh, engagement. So we have almost on, uh, obviously on a weekly basis, I, we, we have um, uh, sessions with all staff uh, where I speak to them and I actually speak less, but I give a lot more opportunity to ask questions, raise issues, throw up comments, mm. and, and, and provide um, and, and provide any in any sort of feedback. We do that. We also have learning sessions. So, so we we have a lot more sessions where not just myself, but my leadership engage with the entire workforce, not just the people in Kenya, but across 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 all the markets where we have a presence. And, and this has really helped us because people know what we're doing. People know where we're going to. And, and it helps yep. them get engaged. And it has glued us. And so we've be, we become a formidable force pushing one agenda rather than people being in silence. And I think that has really helped. The other thing is we, you know, we we, we introduce a chain of, of, of um, financial incentives um, you know, from not just you know uh, compensation, but to to bonus, to an annual enhancement, mm. uh, inflationary adjustment. We you know, and of course stock option. So we have a a a, a, a bouquet of of financial incentives um, that that we've we've recently rolled out uh, just to make sure that look p- people. Um, people are compensated for the effort that they're putting in because my, our people in Asante work really hard, mm. and, and, and I think it's, it's important. A labor, a labor, uh, as I say, is desire is desire is uh, desi- desirable of 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 his or her wages, and I think that's important. But but again, what we've also done, which I'm proud of, we partner with Udemy, and came up with a robust staff training and development program. And so there's a consistent, uh, I mean, over and above the, 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 the training that people receive um, in the course of their work, we've, you know, we worked with Udemy, we designed both customized programs and, and, and general programs. And so at any point in time, People are attending courses. People are learning all sort of stuff. I love that. They're understanding the business. And, you know, the way we've designed it, we've also tied it to appraisal system. And so just like, you know, when you're uh, in, in, uh, on campus, you have your hours that you have to clock for each subject. Wow. So, yeah. So, so wow. We've done, yeah, yeah, we've done all of that. That's so, super cool. Yeah. So at times, um, um, at times maybe, you know, someone is done with his work at 5 p.m., he logs in. And, and you know he's attending a particular training program, maybe on 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 um, 
on 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 data science or whatever. So so it just keeps. It's now a learning organization because people at all levels are always learning, which is beautiful. I can hear so much passion in your <laughs> voice. What inspired you to build Asante or build a business for Africa? Well, look, I am African and I'm a proud African. Um, you know, we Africa is a unique continent. Um, we, we, we've been, um, we've suffered from prejudices and, and we still do. And there's this, um, you know, so-called, um, Afro-pessimism that nothing good comes out of Africa. And so for me, uh, I, I, I'm one of those that believe in that philosophy that look, you, Africa has to be developed by Africans and, and not by non-Africans. And yeah. so I, I've taken it as a personal challenge. I said, Chidi, you know, what will be your contribution to Africa's renaissance, you know, to Africa's development, mm-hmm. to changing the narrative in the continent? And this is actually one of them for me. So, so yes, there are, there are, there are, you know, there are, you know, financial, commercial, you know, uh, upside in, you know, setting up a, a, a business and so on and so forth. But much more important, important for me is the developmental angle, being able to create a platform uh, that empowers businesses to run successfully and profitably, employ people, grow, scale, impact our economies, um, and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, becoming you know, the real drivers of sustained um, um, real inclusive economic growth uh, for the continent. And that's actually what we're doing in Asante. Um, so that, that's what gets me awake every morning. Okay, you know, I love it. I feel inspired. You know, I feel, able, able I feel ready to go. <laughs> Chidi, you're, you've gone through a few funding rounds and you're in the middle of another round. What have you learned from each new new fundraising? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a... So the way I like to say it is, uh, you know, I, and, and the advice I, I I provide to other founders is um, fundraising is a a learning exercise. Um, you know, I, I always tell myself when someone tells me no, I try to get a session with you because I need to understand why you don't want to invest in us, mm. and and. And and you take a lot of feedback. Okay, I, I see a lot of people say, "Oh no, no, this you know this VC said no to me. You know they are this, they are that." No, no, no. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's right. Um, and so for me, um, fundraising we've had about three rounds, especially. Uh, okay. So I had the very first, which was myself, uh, family, friends, uh, you know, putting money together to be able to acquire the firm from Asante. Then I had a, a second round or seed round where I put together. A bunch of my you know, former colleagues in in Atlas Mara and, and 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 a few other friends, and then we had our first institutional round, which was last year, where we raised about seven point five million dollars, uh, led by Goodwill, or uh, Goodwill with participation of you new know, firms like Sorensen uh, Foundation. Mm-hmm. So so that was you know compared to the first two that we had, that was a different experience because. Uh, we brought on board institutionals. You know the conversations, the engagements, the 
the the issues uh, that were discussed, the issues that came up were pretty different than the issues that came up there. And then now we are, we just started uh, launching our series before we're launching on Monday, our series B, and the conversation, conversations are a lot different. Um, not just because we, obviously because of the success we've recorded so far, we've actually been approached by a bunch of firms that want to anchor the round and so on and so forth. And of course, existing investors. So the, the, the set of conversations we're having today are completely different from what we had in the Series A and of course the rounds before the Series A. Uh, but, you know, there has to be a balance, okay? While, you know, for every round, every founder, you want the best, the, the highest valuation for yourself, uh, but, but you know, there has to be some moderation, okay? Because um, the, the, the valuation has to be a reflection of mm. you know, where a true reflection of actually where the business is. Uh, because if it is not, um, there's a, a tendency that a subsequent round will be a down round, and nobody wants that. That's the worst thing to happen to any founder or any business. Um, so, so I think that's the first in terms of setting that expectation. Okay, where do we want to land uh, as part of this round? But the second one is we can now afford to be selective about the sort of investors that we're bringing on board. So it's not. Yeah. Um, um, just two weeks ago, we turned down, you know, there was a group that came, you know, you know, you know and my question is, okay, yeah, you know, besides your millions of dollars, you know, what else are you bringing? Um, and for us at the stage of our business, that is super important. We need, we need uh, investors that bring strategic value, okay, either via partnerships or, you know, help taking us into markets or giving us sustainable funding, like our engagements with you know, a couple of DFIs. So, so there are a lot of considerations for us beyond just writing us a check. And for us at this stage of the business and because of where we're going to, that is not so important because we can afford to have options today, unlike you know, Asante of two years ago. And so it, it's really important that you know, uh, businesses, as you grow from one stage to the other, you need to begin to redefine what is important to you. Um, yeah, money will also, always be important, but there are things that are a lot more important than money, and that's critical. Um, and I guess the, the, the other part is around, you know, making sure that, um, you know, there's an alignment uh, between uh, the, not just the CEO or the founder myself, but myself and the executive team, and then myself and the existing investors. Because if that alignment is not achieved, uh, then you'll find out that you know each party will be will be you know speaking from a different a different page uh, when prospective investors engage them because they will as part of the due diligence process. So we, we've actually spent a lot of time for us. It's taken us probably two months to drive that alignment between ourselves and all the shareholders to make sure that, look, all the issues they've raised around what is important, what's critical for the round, that we've achieved an alignment. And we just got some of the approvals. I think the final approval mm. we got last week. Hence the reason why we delayed the round uh, to next week. Chidi, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. You have shared so much and I'm so excited for the rest of our audience to take a listen to this. You're welcome.
And thanks for the opportunity. Where's the, where's the best place for listeners to reach you? Well, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, anybody, I'm, I'm quite responsive there as well. If there's anything, you can send me an email or a note on LinkedIn and I will readily respond. Perfect. Thanks again, Chitty. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, Connecting the Global Fintech Community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.